Everybody procrastinates, at least a little bit. We have to. We can't possibly do every single thing right now. But there are some things that we keep putting off and putting off, often because we're subconsciously trying to protect ourselves from making mistakes or draining our energy. We all know that too much procrastination can leave us feeling exhausted and overwhelmed. We want to feel more productive, to end our days with a sense of achievement. One strategy for overcoming procrastination is to adopt new stories about who we are and how we take action in the world. In my interview with procrastination coach Christine Lee, she explains how adopting a new story about who we are can totally change the way we feel about the things we usually procrastinate on. This strategy can flip our motivation and inspire us to happily do the things that we used to avoid. And, over time, we can evolve our habits until we no longer think of ourselves as procrastinators at all. Listen in to hear Christine's train analogy, what she thinks about the power of words, and why we really must bet on ourselves. I'm excited to share this conversation with you. So, let's go. Hi, I'm Carrie Altum, and with decades of experience as a leader, activist, and entrepreneur, I've learned a lot about how our fears hold us down and how radical love always lights the way. As a mentor and coach, I've helped hundreds of leaders get centered in their values and align their lives so they can serve their powerful purpose and rise into a brighter future. I'm offering this podcast to show you how you can have impact and income without sacrificing your integrity. If you're ready to explore challenging ideas, adopt new strategies, and have some fun along the way, you're in the right place. This is Rise and Shine. Hello, my friends. I'm so happy you're here. Recently, I've been hearing from clients and colleagues telling me the things that they're loving about the podcast. Yay! And I'm even getting messages from new listeners, which warms my heart. You know, the whole point of this podcast is sharing. So let me ask you, have you shared Rise and Shine yet? If you haven't, please do. Share it with a friend, family member, or colleague, because I bet someone you love is on their own journey and would like to chat with you about these episodes along the way. You know, living an integrity-centered life means using our values as a compass, even as we navigate a shifting landscape. And whoa, has the landscape of our lives ever shifted? The truth is, these really are unprecedented times, and As we approach the two-year mark of the pandemic lockdown, and 
the whole pandemic that's changed our lives forever, we're still making sense of all the ways that our world will really never be the same. We can navigate these changes with confidence when we've taken time to define our core values and we do the work to align our lives. We get to decide who we want to be in this new reality. It's a beautiful thing, but it's also hard. And one thing that makes hard things a whole lot easier is sharing the process with friends. There truly is power in community. So please share the podcast, and together we can move forward to step up, to speak out, and to create positive change in our lives and in our world. Welcome, Christine. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Carrie, for having me on your lovely show. I'm so glad to talk with you today and to connect with your audience. Thank you. Excellent. So, Christine, start by telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. Okay, thank you for that. I am a new podcaster. That's how you and I actually have become acquainted, which has Mm -hmm. been lovely, our relationship so far. And the reason I became a podcaster is because I wanted more people to hear what I had to teach about recovering from procrastination and healing your life from chronic procrastination if that happens to be your jam. And that certainly was my jam for more than 20 years. I spent many, many years constantly and chronically stressing myself out, making myself worried, causing inconveniences to other people, thinking crazy thoughts about the horrors that were going to come. Should I submit a single project or paper Um, Even if I had worked on it, I had all these catastrophic thoughts about the woes that would befall me. So I was an anxious person who procrastinated a lot. That's really my backstory. The first, let's say 20, 25 years. And then I became a psychologist by training. And that was in some ways quite accidental and in other ways quite faded, but it was a good fit for me and a good choice. And then I was working in a university counseling service, and one of the deans at that university asked for a procrastination workshop, and it was figuring that workshop out in which I realized that I was patient number one for this disorder of (laughs) being a severe procrastinator. And so I've been both a psychologist and a person in procrastination recovery for, I would say at least 10 years. And I've been online trying to get this message out to as many people as I can. And it's been a joy because when you realize that you can take your life back from stress and delay, your life begins to blossom and flourish. Mm, that's so true. And that's, and that's something I think we all hope for. So, you know, you, you mentioned that you realized that you were patient number one and isn't it interesting how so often, um, the best way to confront one of our issues is to have ourselves as a project, you know, to have to face our own issues. So what were some of the stories and, and 
by the way, we are really focusing on story right now in this season of Rise and Shine. Um, and I'm really interested to get your perspective on how stories play a role in our procrastination habits. So what were some of the stories that you told yourself? You, you mentioned catastrophizing. How would, you, how would you tell a catastrophizing story to yourself about procrastinating? Well, I think all of my stories were catastrophic because I was not trained in thinking positively. I think I'm a naturally optimistic person, but I saw every outcome as a potential punishment, as a potential humiliation, as a potential source of shame for me. And that was just kind of the vibe I was raised in and, um, it was just a very familiar way of speaking to myself and thinking about dangers that I saw, which included getting grades, performance, anything having to do with performance, responsibility. So it covered a lot of Mm -hmm. territory, both academic and personal. And so the stories I told myself were always along the lines of, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. Now, mind you, in school, I would typically get in the A range of grades, but that never affected the story for some reason. I always was in a full panic before. And I know many of your listeners and perhaps you can Mm -hmm. identify with that, that feeling like no matter how motivated and honest and well-meaning I am, the odds are stacked against me or the fates are going to get me something like that. So whether it's anxiety or depression or catastrophic mindset. I don't know, but I had that. So we've also talked a lot about our fears and how, you know, I I think a lot of us understand better now how our brainstem is literally programmed to, uh, with an, I, with a negativity bias that, that it is, it is programmed to identify potential harms and hazards and protect us from those. And so we have a lot of fear-based thinking. So it sounds like you had fear-based stories. Is that accurate? Absolutely. And again, I was a happy camper. No one would have known. And that's, I think, another story that I had in my heart and head. And that was, this is just who I am. I'm a procrastinator. So it's, there's nothing I can do about it. That's a story. And this is, nobody's particularly thinking about me being a procrastinator because this is who I am. Why would anybody think about my procrastination? And actually no one did because I didn't really reveal what I was doing behind the scenes. Nobody was seeing me at 3 a.m. tearing my hair out, reading the scary novel that I was assigned in English and being terrified and being behind all at the same time. I was terrified by the story that I was reading and I was panicked that I wasn't going to be able to write the report in time. So it's this kind of miserable cycle of isolation, shame, not communicating, not performing and not feeling well. And when I say it like that, it's no wonder that I've chosen to make it my thing to tell people about because you can do your work, whether it's academic or your job or your house chores, you could do it in a way that is so much more joyful and fun and kind to your body and mind and spirit. So it's obvious to me now, but I know it's, it's not so obvious to others. 
Right. Absolutely. And so then can you give us an example of how, for instance, exploring these stories would have a role in uh, therapy versus coaching? Uh, and, And I would love anything that you can share with us to help people understand the difference between therapy and coaching. When I first met you, I thought, how awesome that this is a uh, a woman with a doctorate in psychology who is also embracing coaching. Yes, I think that therapy and coaching are overlapping systems. And I think I've just developed my own style of separating the two just for my own sanity with my therapy clients. Boundaries are really tight confidentiality is preserved. Same with my coaching clients, of course, but there's kind of almost like a cocoon feeling like we're in this together. It's safe. We're doing this for the long term. Things will unfold gradually. Any topic is on the table, potentially, as long as you feel comfortable talking about it for coaching. I envision it more as another kind of cocoon, but one that perhaps has a little bit more of a connection to what's happening in real time with that person's life. How are they getting on with their business, with their family, with their chores, with their dreams? And so we're always kind of kicking back and seeing what is really going on day to day in a more detailed way. And I tend to be, I think, a little more instructive. Sometimes we just need to be reminded, okay, if you just send this email out, we'll roll. Everything that you're wanting is going to come towards you. And so similar fears can occur within clients in both therapy and coaching. And I might just deal with them a little bit differently in each format. So that is that. And in terms of the role of story, um, I think it's really just using my therapy skills to listen, to just very patiently listen. Cause sometimes I just want to be like, ah, cut it out. No need to worry <laughs> about this. I've been there or you've been there already. Everybody knows that this is not going to cause you harm, but oftentimes that kind of slapping around does not work. It's not very kind <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's not very helpful and it can serve as um, kind of an aversive interaction. And I certainly wouldn't want that. But what I do point out is that I am not someone who can predict the future. So if someone's saying, what if, and that's a story, any sentence that starts with the word, what if I know, Oh, I've checked out because I don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of like putting someone on a ride and you don't know where the destination is. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why things like the secret and positive thinking is so powerful for people who might want to change their ways and get away from anxiety-based thinking. Because when we're thinking about our positive outcomes, all of a sudden, the train that we're on has a destination that we want to get to. So all of a sudden, our bodies relax, our mind gets clear and sharper. And we feel more enthusiastic. We want to contribute. We want to make sure the train is nice and clean and running well because we've decided, oh, I want to get to Chicago. I don't want to go to New Jersey. And 
when we're living in anxiety and telling ourselves the what if stories, we're making the train, we're putting graffiti on it. We're not picking up our garbage inside the train. We feel afraid of the people that we're sitting next to in the train. All of that, that whole atmosphere of fear starts to take over. And it's no wonder we end up getting stuck in these long cycles of storytelling, anxiety, and non-functioning. It's very, very easy to lose your time, your precious life to these stories. So I appreciate your focus on the topic because it is very important. We need to be able to distinguish what is a story and what is fact Mm -hmm. in every day because Mm -hmm. we're the train conductor. (laughs) By the way, we're not just the passenger. We're setting the destination for our life. We need to take this very seriously. So then what would you say to a skeptic who says, so you say we decide, you know, we need to uh, realize which story is true and what, which stories are not true. Um, then with coaching, a lot of what coaching is, is future thinking, right? We're thinking of the story that we want to be true and it's not true yet, but we need to start developing the thoughts and the habits and the practices in our lives that make it true, how do you deal with that transition with a particularly skeptical client or um, student that you work with? I'm just going to say, this is from me as a human being, you know, if I'm going to be skeptical, I'd rather have the positive story than the negative story to be, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather kind of believe that maybe there's a chance that the positive story won't happen rather than believe oh, the terrible story might happen. So that is my personal optimistic bent. So I would say, if you're going to bet on a story, you probably should bet on a good one. And that's like, if you're going to the horse races, you're going to put your money on the horse that you think is going to come out Mm -hmm. ahead. That's just how these games go. Mm -hmm. So why are we in our most important game betting against ourselves? That's what I would say. Ah, I love it. I love it. So are there some particular, when you're working with your procrastination coaching clients, Mm -hmm. are there some uh, particular, maybe some journaling exercises or some mindset exercises that you might, is there one that you might think of that you could share with our audience? Great question. I don't tend to be a journaler. Mm-hmm. I've always been curious, but for some reason, and I love handwriting and calligraphy and things like that, <laughs> but I've never been really, that's not my most comfortable way of expressing myself. I think through writing out my thoughts, that's just me. So I don't tend to do that, but I will say with some clients, if they're really stuck on a negative story, I will have them write the story down on a piece of paper and I'll have them, this is pre-COVID, slip the story into an envelope. I will take the envelope and slip it in my desk. And then I'll say, okay, we're going to open this in three weeks, three months and see how did the story come out? Because we can, like I did when I was in, in school, constantly saying the negative story, even though there was evidence, real factual evidence of positive outcome. And so there's something about our attachment to that habit that needs to get addressed. So it's not the particular paper or the scary event. It's the habit of thinking in a catastrophic way that needs to be addressed. Yes. I love that. And then also what about the role of 
words and language. This is something that's really fascinating to me. Our words are so powerful. When we say to ourselves, I can't, or if I do something, this will happen. There really does seem to be some sort of self-fulfilling prophecy that happens, right? The universe changes based on our words. Mm. Mm-hmm. It did. I just gave you a sentence. You, you absorb that universe change. So every word carries that energy because it is energy. It's an exchange of energy. It's an output of energy and it's loaded energy. So we have to be, again, very, very mindful about how we feed into ourselves the input, what we give ourselves every day, day to day, what we hear from other people, the kinds of people we follow. We want to be very careful. We want to be very selective. There's a lot of garbage out there. Some of it is already just self-generated garbage, right? Yes. So we want to clean up the, the field inside and... We want to practice a new habit of generating optimism, generating enthusiasm, generating positive outcomes for real. And it will happen because this is nothing to be skeptical about. When you decide on a goal and you put daily effort and positive intention behind your efforts and you're an honest person and there's nothing major going on, like some sort of massive illness, you are going to get there. Yes. It's not mystical. It's actually fact. So that's what we have to be reminded of. And that's what I had to trust when I was in that zone of crossing over from procrastination to productivity. I had to say, I need to give up all of those thought patterns, Twitters in my heart, excuses that I would be giving to people. I need to clean that entire shop up in order to allow these other habits to take root and for me to get comfortable using them, for me to start expressing myself as a full human being, not someone operating at a deficit. And that took years and therapy and coaching and books and podcasts and feeling funny for a long time. And I'm still in that process of just strengthening this voice, strengthening these habits on a day-to-day basis. I'm so grateful that you do, Christine. I am so grateful that you do the work that you do in the world. You you give so much to help people move from procrastination to productivity. And um, just in my engagement with you personally, I've learned so much. And so um, why don't you tell our audience how they can find you online and get in touch with you? Well, thank you, Carrie. I want to exchange your love for love right back. I've learned so much from you. I feel like we've joked that we're sisters from <laughs> different parents is a very interesting assortment of parents. Sister from a different mister. <laughs> yes. Yes. And you're so kind and wise. And I, I do think we're, we're bonded in very interesting and fun and and special ways and that we really see things in very similar ways as well, which Mm -hmm. I appreciate because Mm -hmm. we need each other in this road online and through life. So thank you for being my sister in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, I would love to have your listeners be my listeners on the make time for success podcast. My podcast is a great love of mine. I'm looking forward to showcasing Carrie's work 
on my podcast soon. And I am procrastination coach everywhere else. My website is procrastination coach. I'm newly on TikTok, which is a little bit frightening. And I'm (laughs) on Instagram and Facebook as well. And I have a membership. I have an academy of different ways that you can connect with me if you're really struggling with procrastination, or if you just really want to learn some ways to make light of your work and to enjoy your work a little bit more. Excellent. Yes. I recommend that everyone check you out. I love your daily Instagram posts and stories. They're inspiring and helpful. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with my audience today, Christine. Thank you so much. It was really fun. Are you loving the show? Loving these conversations? Then you will love my emails. If you're not on my email list yet, I encourage you to hop on over to theriseway.com and sign up. Then just sit back and watch for our mostly once or twice weekly messages of encouragement and insight. Expect to get some tips, some humor, and some updates from the Rise world. I'm on a pretty awesome journey with new things happening each week, and I want to take you along for the ride. I'll be sharing stuff to my email list that I don't share anywhere else. So go on over to theriseway.com and sign up to get in the loop. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Rise and Shine. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, rate and review, and share the love. Tell your friends about Rise and Shine so we can all grow our integrity-centered lives and leadership together and on purpose. You got so proudly wear your crown Cause you're the one